Wouldn't it be great if you could earn the CEUs you need by listening to a podcast? Well, now you can. We have partnered with speechpathology.com to offer CEUs on select autism outreach podcasts like this one. Just head over to speechpathology.com and sign up to enjoy unlimited access for a full year for $99. That's unlimited 24-7 access to hundreds of online courses offered for ASHA CEUs, including live webinars, on-demand videos, audio, and text courses, plus select autism outreach podcasts for just $99 a year. Finally, earning CEUs is as easy and stress-free as listening to your favorite podcast. Just visit speechpathology.com and use promo code AUTISM at checkout. That's speechpathology.com, promo code AUTISM to get started today. Welcome to the Autism Outreach Podcast. I am your host, Rose Griffin. Today, I had an amazing conversation with Ann Page. She is a speech-language pathologist and an assistive technology lead in a 19-school district in Arizona, and she gives us such great information. The one thing that she talks about that I absolutely love is she says that we should inspire, not require, of our students when we're starting on that journey to communication. Really great information if you're a parent or professional about how to help each and every student that we're working with find their voice. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Hi, and welcome to episode 33 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I'm very excited to have Anne Page with us today. Thanks so much for joining us, Anne. Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you, Rose. It's nice to have you on. I feel like I started my business about four years ago and I definitely have seen you on Instagram, but I don't think we've never even met in real life. So I think this is the first time we're ever talking. I'm super excited. And you have such a wealth of information about AAC. So I'm super excited to hear all about that and how you started to specialize in that area. But for those of us who don't know as much about you, can you tell us a little bit about you and your journey into being a speech therapist and maybe your love of AAC and autism and all that great stuff? Yeah, I am ASHA certified SLP. I am currently in Arizona, in Phoenix, and I work in South Phoenix for a Title I district. I've been there for, oh my gosh, a long time, since 2007, I believe, and in one capacity or another. And currently I am their assistive technology lead. In terms of being an SLP, I kind of took a very roundabout journey to that. I got my bachelor's degree a really long time ago and then had a different career and then came back to being an SLP in 2000. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's so very interesting. So you were a speech therapist, left the field for a bit of time and came back? Well, I actually, I got my degree. um, I never did anything with it. I was going to uh, take a break uh, because I was tired 
of going to school. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a break and do something completely different. And then I ended up doing that for several years. I got into shopping center marketing and then I had an art career and, and I just kind of gradually came back to this. Oh, that makes a lot of sense because you're very creative. I talk about social media a lot on the podcast because it's a big part of my daily life. I feel like I live and breathe it. And Anne has some really good TikToks and Instagram um, videos. And I definitely, when COVID started, I definitely dipped a toe into TikTok and making some like silly dance videos, but to disseminate and share information. And you do such a nice job of that with AAC. So, so that's probably your, so you're a creative spirit. I am for sure. And I, I like, uh, I like to make TikToks and reels just for the creative outlet. And also I think it's a, a great way to make a subject that can be a little intimidating and scary to people a little bit less though. Yes, absolutely. And AAC can be, we just had, um, another, Kate Granbois was on a previous episode and she is an AAC specialist. Um, and she was just talking about how there can be different barriers to AAC. And I'm excited, she's in clinical practice. So I'm excited to talk with you being as a school-based therapist. So I'm a school-based therapist three days a week. And then the other two days, I have my own private practice and ABA speech. But I know that being in this school, I feel like there's some um, specific barriers that we face when we're trying to help so many different students and help. Helping them. So it's really cool that your job is an assistive technology lead. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm really interested. So there's 19 schools in your in your district where you're helping to support the speech therapists or what, what does that look like? Well, it, yes. So there's 19 schools and I have a caseload. Right now it's a small one um, because I really wanted to keep my hand in. I, I had a group of students that I just couldn't let go. And so I, I kind of have followed them from kindergarten all the way through. And some of them are in eighth grade now. So I've got that. And we're the teacher of that class and I are trying kind of a team approach that's working really well. And then the rest of the time, I'm sort of whatever people need me to be AAC wise. So an AAC, they w- would fill out a request form that they they have a student that they think could use AAC or they have a student that has it and they don't really know how to implement it uh, and they need some help. And so then that's where I come in and talk to the team. And then I have done AAC evaluations and training and parent training and brainstorming. It's actually can be extremely rewarding. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. When I worked in... I'm in Ohio now. So when I worked down in Austin, Texas, I worked in a 35 school district. And I was an autism facilitator and support specialist. That was the name of the job. It was a really cool kind of collaborative admin type position. And I would go in and I would talk to speech therapists about autism and I would visit them on campus. And at that district, we also had an AAC specialist, but it was a brand new position. So that person was just kind of getting their feet wet and how they can support people. Um, and one of the things that I thought was interesting, and I'm curious if you do it in your school district and being such a large district, 
we were trying to set up in that district, you know, an AAC library, or if there were specific autism classrooms, they would have a template of things that we would purchase for them. And sometimes we would purchase just automatically for the classroom, a static device to to have on hand should they have a student that comes in who is non-speaking. Do you guys have any kind of template like that? Or do you have anything that's kind of embedded that is ready to go for potentially new students that come in or students that are not yet speaking? We are working on that. We have, we've been kind of building over the last, I would say like three years and we're slowly building our library. Like I said, we're a title one district. And so we don't, haven't in the past had a huge budget, but we're slowly adding devices and uh, trying to have, I like to try and have a variety of different devices. Like I know that some, there's a school of thought that if you could have the same program or the same type of device for all the students in one classroom, then it would be much easier on the staff and on the teacher which is true. It would be because they would only have to learn one. But, you know, AAC is so individualized. You can't just blanket it like that. It wouldn't be fair to the students. And so because they just have a different proclivity, like some some kids really do well with lamp words for life and some do really well with touch chat, some proloquo. So we're just trying to have a little bit like so that we can at least get them um, started and get them going. And then we have core boards like available that we can do the big ones or the and the little ones. And then also in Arizona, we're very lucky to have a really good um, state lending library for AAC and assistive technology. So we utilize that if we need to try something that we're not sure if it's going to work or not, then we can borrow it for 30 days and and try it that way before we look at purchasing. Oh, that's nice. And can you tell people what a Title I school is? If we have a lot of international listeners, they might not understand just kind of what that means for those Uh, students. It, it would be, I'm sure I'm not giving the official definition, yeah. but a Title I school is usually funded by government and state. And it would mean that a lot, a, a certain a certain percentage uh, and definitely a majority of the students are um, getting the breakfast and lunch program. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Free and reduced lunch. Okay, great. Yeah. I think some people that might just be a new term for international listeners. So they might be like, what is that? Yeah, Thank you for yeah. clarifying that. Okay. Sure. So that's, that's so nice that your state has a lending library. Here in Ohio, we have something that is called, it is a lending library. It's called Ocali. It, and I cannot remember obviously what that stands for, but it is an autism based organization. But they actually, what's really cool about that. And actually, I don't know if they have devices. They might. But they have professional books and all different types of materials that if you are working in a school, you just set up and get a login if you're here in Ohio and you're listening. And you can get all different types of resources and they will send them for free right to your place of work or send them to your home and you can ship them back for free, which is really nice because sometimes the things that we want to research or look up or read more about or use as a resource are kind of difficult to find. So so maybe if you're listening and you haven't thought about that, Ohio has a lending library of some sort. Sounds like Arizona has a lending library. That's really, really nice. And that's really probably one of the hardest parts is determining how do we determine what device is going to work for a student or what mode of communication. So when you're on the team and you're helping people kind of navigate that, what are some strategies that there are school-based 
speech therapists listening and maybe they don't have access to an AAC specialist in their district, what what are some first steps that would be helpful? Well, if you can get your hands on, usually for a school-based SLP, if you have an iPad, then you can get some of the apps for free. A lot of the developers will give you one copy of the of their AAC app to use for evaluation purposes. Oh. And so then you could, and if you don't have an iPad, you could make a case to your district and say, hey, if you get me this one iPad, then I can get these apps and then we can use this as our evaluation iPad. So that would be a start. Like say if you don't have access to a lending library, And if you think that your student is going to be a good candidate for high tech. And so there's a lot to look at, but let's, let's say if it's a, if we have a student who has autism and he has good fine motor skills. So he's able to, he would be able to isolate a small square on the iPad. Usually you can check and see like, are they playing games on the iPad? And then you're like, okay, well, they might be a good candidate for high tech. And so I always like to include if they're getting occupational therapy or if they're getting physical therapy, you you want to include everyone on the team, especially if it's a a child with more complex or multiple needs, you know, want to make sure they have the trunk support and the reach and all Mm -hmm. of that. But the low tech is always a good. So if you're just kind of getting started and you don't have access to high tech, Mm-hmm. Low tech can be good too. And it's not like, it's not a progression. It's not like have to start with low tech. And then we have to mm-hmm. um, go up the staircase to get up to high tech. You can start with high tech. It just depends on the student. Right. But like when I'm talking about low tech for anybody that's kind of new to AAC, that would just be as simple as a core vocabulary board. So it would be something that looks like, like this. And so if you're just listening, it's like, it's a little, board with squares on it and pictures and words. And then the communication partner can point to the word and say it and model it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, maybe the student would be able to point to the word. It's basic AAC, but without the tech piece. Right. So where would, what are some, because honestly, I think I have, I use Proloquo and I use LAMP and that is, that's it. I only have a couple students right now who are using AAC. I think just because of, you know, my career has always been non-public program and public school. And obviously in a non-public program, meaning usually an ABA type center, I would meet a lot of students who needed AAC. So I was very well versed many years ago on all the different, you know, apps. But what are some of the ones beyond what I just said that are kind of out there now? I honestly, I don't know. And I don't think we've talked about some of the ones that are maybe newer that I haven't talked about on the podcast yet that are more high tech. Well, Lamp Words for Life has been uh, one that's been around for a really long time. It's established. And I always tell people, like, I don't recommend an I can't recommend an app. Right. But I, I will say that when you're looking at one, you if you're thinking you're going to use it long term for a student or for your child, you're going to want it to be around long term. So you don't mm-hmm. want them to have to learn a whole app. And then if the developer's like, oh, whoops, we are not we're out of business. We're not going to provide any updates anymore. Right. That would be like really tragic. So that is something to have a look at and see what the history is. But, and then also Lamp Words for Life was specifically developed for students with autism. 
they were, that was what they did it for. And then Proloquo to go is another one that's been around for a long time and has like really good support behind it. Touch chat with word power. HD is a really good one that I've used quite a bit. I have uh, quite a few students that, that have, that like it. And then if you are working with, say, if you're working with students with, with the most complex um, communication needs, and then they have like cortical visual impairment too, then you're going to, I like touch chat because you can really move up and down with it. Like you mm-hmm. can pro, you can have it where there are like the big symbols and not as many, which we always used to start with, which is not good. Like we want to start, we want to start with as many symbols as they can access. But sometimes if you have a student that can only access because of vision and because of physical impairments, and if they can only access a few, you still want a good system. And I find that Touch Chat HD is good for that. That's good. And I haven't used that. But that is a good point because I think back in the day, I mean, I've been a speech therapist almost 20 years now, so I'm calling myself seasoned. I think I'm, I'm able to say that now. But I feel like back in the day, yeah, maybe we did feel like there was a prerequisite. Like we start with a tech speak. Remember tech speak, how they were like static and we would make on board maker all the different pages to put in. Yes, the go talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we would have to record our own voice or, you know, like it was so cool when we would get a male to record the voice that felt very good for the student because, you know, if it was a boy and it was a male voice and sometimes it's hard to find a man in some of the places I've worked, but those, yeah, back in the day. And then this idea of, yeah, building up. But the idea is really to have the student have access to vocabulary. I was actually just talking on about this on the podcast because I got into a bit of a professional disagreement with another person and actually have talked with parents before because parents feel like, oh, well, they're not using that button anymore or that person isn't in their class anymore. So can we just delete those pictures? And I, you know, and inside I'm dying inside because I want to say, what are you talking about? Why, you know, they might want to talk about that person. We would never take those away. But I think that's something that people don't understand. They don't understand that it's a motor plan. And just because that person's not in their class, like have you, I'm sure you've met, got into these situations where people don't really long range analyze why we would just take something off a device. Mm-hmm. I, I, yes, all the time. And I, and I feel like if, just like you said, if it's someone that they, that is in their wheelhouse, it's someone that they knew, maybe they want to be able to say in a year, Hey, I miss this person or I wonder what this person is doing. And to take that away just seems like really cruel. I know. Yeah. It and, I, and I've also had people, this is a constant struggle where people don't want, they want everything to be on the main board. They, they don't want, because of the way high tech AAC is set up, you would push one button and then it's kind of intuitive and it's going to take you to other words that go with it, or you can get to the same, like, so say, for example, if you were on lamp words for life, you're going to push the go, like the little frog, you push the go. And then it's most of the time it's a two hit, which means then it's going to, it's not going to say go right when you push it, it's going to go to another page and then go is going to be there. But what if, what if they wanted to say going instead of go, it's going to be right there next to the Mm -hmm. um, go. So you're just giving them so many more 
so much more vocabulary and and the ability to be able to learn how words change and all that rich, rich language. And if we are just limiting them to one page and then we're like, oh, well, he never says go. Let's just take that off. We can't do that. Right. So it's a lot of it's great for conversation, though, and as a teaching point, because Mm -hmm. then we can we can explain like, yeah, but what if and kind of go that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to definitely advocate for the kids and the long term of how they're going to use the device and that we want to have all that language and rich vocabulary on there that we're not sure what our students are going to be saying, especially because I work with middle school, high school students in a school district. And so what the students are going to be talking about, you know, as they get older, they may have more complex vocabulary or, you know, they may want to talk about that kid that was in their class a long time ago. So that's probably just a bit of a training issue and something that we need to advocate for. But I think, yeah, AAC can make people very, very nervous and and where they're just not sure kind of where to get started. I mean, I know just because of my being on social media, I get a lot of people who reach out to me and say, you know, this my student's not talking. You know, where do I... Where do I begin? There's so many different things out there as far as, you know, do I start with sign language? Do I start with um, PEX? We just had Lori Frost on the podcast, who's the co-creator of PEX. Do we start with AAC? Um, You know, one of the things you showed the core board, I was going to ask about that because I don't really use those or haven't really used those in the past, but that was a nice core board. So where could somebody get something like that at? I really don't know if somebody's thinking, oh, I want to start with low tech and just like trial this or have this. As part of my toolbox, where do people get something like a core board at? Well, there are all there are lots of them all over the place, and I this one you could get for free. I made this one, and okay. the words are research based, so that, like these are forty um, core vocabulary words that have research behind them. So I can give you the link, or you could put it in your show notes. Yeah. And, um, people can get. I actually have a handout where you can get this for free. And then I think I have six other, the links to six other popular ones that are free. So like, for example, if you have, if you have a a student or if your child is using lamp words for life, you're like, I would like a low tech version of that for like, maybe if we're out in the pool and I, Mm -hmm. I don't want to risk the device getting wrecked, then you can get that. Like, so I'm providing the links for those. A lot of the high techs have the back, the, I don't want to call it backup. Yeah, they have yeah. the low tech as well. It's just another alternative way for someone to communicate. That is a really good idea that you bring up just because I think sometimes people are nervous about AAC. I was talking about with Kate when we had her on the other day that sometimes people are nervous because it feels like there's so many things that are getting updated. It feels like there's new softwares coming out. And sometimes, you know, maybe not new is may not mean better, but there's a lot of choices. There's a lot of information. And so I think from a parental standpoint and professional, if it's not something that you're very in touch with, you can feel like, oh my gosh, where do I get started? How do I do this? But I think that's a nice idea to have the core board. And the idea too, with the technology, I feel like sometimes people have barriers to, you know, if a student comes in and maybe their device is not charged or if something happens. Yeah, right. I mean, some of those barriers to making sure that the iPad is charged or, you know, the device. I mean, most of the AAC is, they're mostly all iPads now, right? Are there any dedicated devices anymore or not not as many that you see? 
There are, there are um, still the dedicated devices. And I, per, like I, in my area, I'm seeing those more for like eye gaze. So like yeah. students that have to access that, that don't have the use of their hands or their, their feet there, they are accessing it through eye gaze or through um, head pointing with like a laser dot. Right. A lot of times those are still the dedicated devices. And it used to be that if you were going for insurance funding, especially through the schools, like through Medicaid, that they would only fund a dedicated device. But that's starting to change because now there's like quick, quick style free talker. Free, it's something like that. It's through, through AbleNet. And okay. it is, it's still an iPad, uh, but it has like a special case to keep it more protected and okay. insurance companies will fund it. Oh. So, you know, things are really changing that way. Yeah. So when you, so you're, if I was a speech therapist in your district, are some of your speech therapists, if a student, um, because I know every district does it differently. I still think this is kind of mysterious. Like when I was writing AAC reports um, back in the day, I really haven't done it in maybe five years or so. We had to try three different apps and then I had to write a an extensive report and I had to get a letter of medical necessity from a doctor. And I don't know if there was anything else. Is that kind of the rules across the board still? Or how does that work? You know, are the students in most schools, do you think, or in your school district, are the speech therapists writing these evaluation reports so that it's going through some type of insurance so that it's the student's device or is it the district's device or does it vary? Or that's, that's really changing a lot too. It used to be kind of a, a melting pot where as the school SLP, we could write those evals and turn them into whoever in like the state body that was funding devices. Mm -hmm. Usually through um, here, we have the Department of Developmental Disabilities, which is Medicaid funded. And that's all kind of changing now. And so those evaluations have to be done by someone that they approve. But when we are in the schools, I think it's up to, at least in our district, it we have the criteria and we don't really need to do that type of eval. Like Chris Bougay, I don't know if you know him. He's got the AT Tip podcast. He's yeah. He's a really great guy. Um, yeah. Very How do you say his last name? I have seen him talk at ATIA. I got to go to that. Yeah. yeah. What is his last name again? How do you... It's like with it, a B, it, isn't it? It's spelled differently than it looks. And I, I've met him a couple times and had to ask him every time. It's Bougay. Chris Bougay. Bougay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he is good. I should have him on the podcast so, sometime. Yeah. I thought about yeah. him. Yeah. He's okay. so enthusiastic. Yes. But um, he was the one... I had a lengthy conversation with him several years ago. And he said, you know, we don't... Like in his school system, they he doesn't do an eval because he doesn't have to. You're evaluating to see what device is going to work for the student, but you have more time, which is right. great. So if they, if you can get your hands on a device, and then you're going to let the student use it for uh, quite a while. And then if, if the student is successful with that device, maybe you want to try another one and just see, but you don't, you know, it's kind of, it's a judgment call. But right. to me, I've seen it where the kids are getting the state funded devices, but the evaluators have to come in and they don't, they don't know the student. Yeah. And so they're, and they have an hour, maybe an hour and a half to quickly try with these three devices. And, and, um, so you're not getting, it's just my opinion, yeah. but I don't, I don't feel like you're getting great information. Not like if you could take time 
and have them in all different environments across oh, yeah. the school and you right. know in the classroom, in the cafeteria, and just kind of, you know, give it a, a really good shot and see what's going to work for them. Well, that's interesting to know. Yeah, because I just haven't been a part of that. So it's interesting to hear how that is. Yeah, I mean, I think observation and just seeing the kid across different environments and really? yeah, over time, I feel like we're always kind of doing an evaluation, right? When we do therapy, mm-hmm. there's always an evaluation component when we're taking data or if the student is, is having trouble with something. I think today I saw a student, we were working on K and G and S, but then the L didn't sound so clear. So I put L future target, right? I'm kind of always in my mind assessing. So that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Very, very interesting. So if somebody's listening and they're thinking, you know, what are some actionable tips or your top kind of tips or resources that you would want to share for somebody that is maybe working with somebody who is non-speaking? What would you share with them? Um, I would say, that with AAC, kind of take the emphasis off of the tool. So that the AAC device is the tool that we're going to use. But then you need to look at, there's the whole, it's called the set process. So you look at the student, like have a really good look at the student and the environment where you are wanting him to communicate. And look at the task that you're wanting him to do. And then you're going to kind of look at the tool. And I would say like, once you do, like, say if you've got, say if you get a student and he's got a brand new device and you don't know how to use it, or if you're a parent and you just got a device funded for your student, for your child, and you're like, I have no idea how to even turn this on. If as a parent, you already have an advantage because you have this connection with this little person. As an SLP, if you're coming in and you're new, that's going to be the first thing you need to do. And the most important thing is to take your time, make that connection and figure out like what makes this kid tick in terms of what does he like to do? What likes, what lights him up? Let's not try and start with AEC on something that is a non-preferred activity. Let's start with something that he likes and then let's like inspire, not require. So let's model. Like we, as a communication partner, we are going to be doing all the work at first. We are going to, as we're, as we're saying a word, we're going to point to it. If we're saying like a three word sentence and the child, it hasn't spoken any words at all, then we're going to model a one word or maybe two. So it's not too complicated. We're going to give lots of processing time and we're not going to say, okay, here it is. Point to stop. Here it is. Stop. Point to stop. Point to stop. I said, stop. Let's stop. Do you want it to stop? Because that's just overwhelming and it doesn't work. So it's just at the first part, we're just building that receptive vocabulary, helping them because we're asking them to do something that they don't see. Uh, They they haven't seen it. They don't know. And so we're asking them to do something that's a really big ask. And Mm -hmm. so we need to show them that we're willing to do it. And so that they can watch us just like how a typically developing child learns to speak by hearing it. And they hear words over and over and over again before they speak them. And it's going to be the same with with the AAC. So that modeling piece is huge. Yeah, I love how you pointed that out too about we want to... And that that set framework, um, we have talked about that a little bit on the podcast. Is there a website that's associated with that or where can people learn more about that? That is through... I think if you just Google set, okay, in all caps, S-E-T-T, set framework, or it's Joy Zabala is the 
name of the person that came up with it. Okay, yeah. It has come up before and it's interesting. I have actually not used it. So I I love that you talked about it. I love inspire, not require. That's really that's really great. But I like that you talk about that because sometimes um something that's really been bothersome to me or I've seen people doing is working on labeling with a student who is nonverbal, essentially not yet speaking, and they're using a device. And one of the first words that they work on is labeling bathroom. And the student is working on toilet training. And I just feel like it's this culmination of all these things that I wouldn't set it up that way. You know, like if I was the therapist, I don't want to go in and say, oh, this is all wrong. But I do like my heart is hurting for kids like that because I'm sure that people might have, you know, the child's best intentions Uh because that is something that eventually, you know, they're going to need to communicate. And even sometimes we've had a picture for a student if they're working on a toileting schedule, you know, where they can hand it to somebody to say they need to use the restroom, obviously. But just labeling something that is unpreferred. I'm like, no, no, we got to start with something really that lights the kid up. Like you said, like what brings you joy? Do I want to talk about Starbucks or do I want to talk about my taxes? You know, like I'm going to choose Starbucks. Okay. Um, Just things like that. I think sometimes we get so nervous about taking data and then we're not even in tune. Or as a school-based therapist, we just have so many things that we're trying to multitask task and you know maybe there's an assembly and you have to change the the kids that you're seeing and you have to talk to this teacher and you have to do a consult and all those different things that sometimes it's just hard to be in the moment in therapy observing analyzing you know why am i starting with this target where should i start so i like that idea of modeling and the thing we had talked about before is that i like the idea with the core board because it's all right there but sometimes people feel nervous about what's in a higher tech um, device. What what do you do as far as staff training or parent training to let people feel more comfortable about that? What's it like as far as vocabulary that's in a, a high tech? Well, I kind of will like talk about what core vocabulary is and the research behind it and why it is so important. And then if when they're looking at the device, they're color, like many times they're color coded. And I didn't know that when I first started, I didn't know like that green is for verbs. Like, so they have, you just need to figure out your device's color coding. And then a lot of times, most devices, they'll have, not all of them, but a lot of times they have the pronouns running across the left side. They've got the verbs in the middle. So once you know that, then that's super helpful. And I, I always say now, Figure out, first of all, where is the word finder on the device? Because yes. they they all have them now. And okay. it's so easy to get lost because you're looking at it and you're trying to say something to your student and show them like, Ooh, look at me modeling. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know where that word is. But yes. it's okay. Like, it's okay if you're doing that and just say, you're moving your finger around and say that to your student. Like, I don't know. Let's look around. Let's explore. So just... Kind of doing think alouds is really big with that. And the other point I wanted to get across, I think is super important. See where they're at communication wise and build on that. So if they are a student that is going to reach towards something and that's how you know that they want it, you're going to walk them through that with the device. And you're going to say, Oh, I see that you are reaching for the water. I think that means you want it. Mm-hmm. Do you want it? And then you just give it to them. But you're you're giving them that 
those hooks, like the right. to to help them build their vocabulary. Oh yeah, I love that. Really, really good. Such great information. I love all these tips and strategies. I'm like excited to get back into the school year here eventually and start using with more AAC. I've had a little break here this summer, so I always end the podcast with these final two questions. Um, one is, what is the most important piece of advice that you would want to pass along to parents or professionals about communication? Uh, that it's a of course, it's a basic human right. It's what differentiates us. It's what makes us human, our ability to communicate. And that we need to allow our little people the opportunity to be able to communicate about what they want to communicate about first. Like when, especially when they're learning, when they're emerging, don't try and make them talk about stuff that you want them to talk about so that you can take data or that you can say they're doing so good. Figure out what they want to talk about, see what their attention stays on and let them talk about that and let them with the device, let them explore. And if I I hear that so many times, well, you know, he's just stimming. Well, it's okay. And the one piece is they need to be able to, to explore so that they can hear what the different words sound like. And sometimes I had a student that would say the same thing over and over again, but in a sentence, that was how he thought. Like, that's what he was thinking, because I was thinking about it. And I'm like, well, in the morning, when I need my first cup of coffee, I'm thinking (laughs) coffee, coffee, I need coffee, where's the coffee. And that's what this student was doing with going to Target. He was like, mom, van, Target, mom, van, Target. And the teachers would take it away from him and be like, well, this is what he's going to say all day. I'm like, that's what he's thinking all day. Mm-hmm. Even something yeah. else to think about. Right, right. Yeah, different type of environment. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. So where can people find out more about you and your work? Beautiful Speech Life is the name of my business. And so on Instagram is where I'm the most active at Beautiful Speech Life. And I have a website as well. And I'm on Facebook and yeah, any social media, you can find me at Beautiful Speech Life. Awesome. Well, make sure that you check out also, we have a new free on-demand webinar called Five Strategies to Help Autistic Students Engage and Communicate. So if you haven't taken that yet, make sure you do that at abaspeech.org. I hope that you enjoyed the show. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to hit subscribe and write a review. Remember to keep things fun and functional and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.